Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. Higher protein, in fact, when fed. In an experimental setting, it turns on cancer. It speeds it up. And a lower protein diet doesn't. The additional observation was that the protein that turns it on was the protein of cow's milk, an animal-based protein, the so-called high-quality protein. And so here we had this dilemma, this, this fact. I spent almost a decade researching this subject. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. Each week, we're talking to innovators and game changers who think outside the box and tackle problems that few address. What does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Super excited to chat with Dr. Campbell today. Let me just talk about Dr. Campbell and my feelings about this incredible gentleman who will be joining us today. So I remember reading his book, The China Study, many years ago, and his chapter on peanuts and some of the problems that he was seeing in parts of the world, including the Philippines and how there were many cancers that were showing up there. And the interesting sort of 
effects of some of the foods that we were encouraging different communities to eat, including low-carb diets and etc. So I'm really, really excited to have him here in a little bit. And Dr. Campbell's a PhD, trained at Cornell University and worked at MIT as a research associate in nutrition, biochemistry, and toxicology. And he also spent many years on the faculty of Virginia Tech's biochemistry and nutrition group before returning to Cornell, where he presently holds an endowed chair at that great institution. So I'm very, very excited to chat with him more about what we'll be learning on not only different types of diets, but also things to be aware of as you start to look at how you get yourself as healthy as possible and try and figure out what's inside a lot of these health studies. Dr. Campbell, thanks so much for coming and joining us today. We're very excited to have you and introduce you to our audience at the CARA Network. The book, The China Study, is truly one of the most influential books on nutrition in my, in my mind, and it really was the most comprehensive look at the relationships between diet and disease. I'd love to hear from you. What was the impetus for you writing it and devoting your time and, and really your mind to it? Well, it goes back a long way, in, in a sense. Uh, it was uh, I had been in this business for a long time. In fact, it's been over 60 years, if I can, can say that, wow. since I started my research career. So I've had a long career in, in research, almost all of it. In fact, in fact, all of it in academia, doing uh, you know original research. And uh, I, I came from a farm milking cows and went away to school to sort of, uh, in, in a sense, to advance or consumption of more animal-based protein, cow's milk being one of the good sources. And and that's where I started. But then I got involved in my research, doing my doctorate, my master's, and so forth. I got involved in the Philippines in a project. We were attempting to make sure that the children there, especially the malnourished children, you know, got the kind of nutrition that I thought was important here. I mean, it wasn't just me. It was all of us. So in the Philippines, I was there, and we're promoting protein, if you will, and that sort of thing, and making sure, sure they got enough food, obviously. But uh, I saw something that was kind of odd. I got the impression that uh, the, the few families, I should say, the 2 or 3%, who were eating levels of protein like we do in the West, their children seemed to be at higher risk for getting this one kind of cancer. Very narrowly focused little idea. It was totally anecdotal. I first heard about it from my medical colleague on the golf course at Bull Things. And uh, so I, I didn't pay too much attention, but then there was another report came out from using experimental animals sort of showing something like that too. And uh, I said, wait a minute, this is this is kind of at odds that, you know, high protein maybe, uh, like these two families were consuming, like us, higher protein meant more cancer. That was really a kind of a crazy idea. But it was good enough because we were focused on the idea of making sure they got more protein. And uh, so then I applied for a grant from NIH. As you know, that's the leading biomedical research agency, as you may know. I got that grant, and it continued, that grant continued for the next 27 years. I kept getting it renewed and renewed and renewed. And we learned a lot of things uh, during those years. Turns out I had to change my mind. Uh, higher protein, in fact, when fed uh, in an experimental setting, it, it turns on cancer. It, it speeds it up. 
and uh, a lower protein diet doesn't. And then uh, the additional observation was that the protein that turns it on was the protein of cow's milk, an animal-based protein, the so-called high-quality protein. And so here we had this dilemma, this, this fact, that uh, animal protein turns on cancer development, plant protein doesn't, and uh, we could turn cancer on and off. That was another exciting idea, just by nutritional means. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. 
And the best part, you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. No, no drugs involved. We're only talking about nutrition in this case. That was exciting. And lots of other things over the years we learned. And I published it extensively in, in the very best scientific journals and got involved in policy development at the national level and gave testimony before congressional committees, all sorts of things. And so as the time passed, I became more and more enthused about the idea that we didn't really understand nutrition and we had to do something about that. So I was bouncing around and getting more and more enthusiastic for it, but also discovering there's a lot of resistance to what I was talking about, to say the least. So my wife finally told me one day, especially after the New York Times featured our article, or featured my study in China. Well, let me back up this for a second. So we're doing this laboratory research some in humans, not too much, uh, this opportunity to go to China to try to sort out why it is that cancer was so common in certain parts of the country and not in others. It was sort of like a localized disease. And so we met, mounted this big study. It was a really big study, the most comprehensive ever, and with our friends at the University of Oxford in England, as well as my Chinese colleagues. And so we went to China to see, you know, why is cancer so common here and not there and so forth? for about a dozen different cancers. And we collected blood samples and urine samples and food samples and so forth and so on. And we analyzed them. We, I, by that time, I had about 24 laboratories around the world that were involved in some parts of this. And what we ended up with was a huge body of data that the, China, that the uh, New York Times featured in the early 1990s. It was sort of a cover story in their science section. And uh, that brought a lot of attention to some of the stuff we were doing. And I was claiming that our research is showing that nutrition is important. Food's important, first off. But secondly, you know, animal-based food is not exactly the way to go, even though I had been raised on an animal-based food farm, if you will. And uh, that, that created a lot, of, a lot of pushback, to say the least, and, and so forth. And that went on from 1990 until about early 2000s, 2002 or three. And my wife says, why don't you sit down and write a book? So I did, 
with our youngest son, who was uh, an actor, actually. He had graduated in theater from Cornell. who's in Chicago on stage. He came back. He's a good writer, good communicator. So he wrote a book called The China Study. That came out in 2005. We were told by the publishers that it probably wouldn't sell unless I put a lot of recipes in there and unless I took out the references that I had. We had 750 references. I wanted to treat the subject professionally. I, I, did, I was not in favor of publishing just a book on, on whims, in my opinion. I wanted to treat it you know, uh, from a professional, scientific point of view. So I got some pushback on that, and some of the publishing houses didn't want to do it because I wasn't doing what they wanted me to do. So we finally got together with a small outfit, small outfit in uh, Texas, who let us write the book that I wanted to write. And but we all the time warned, all the time, you're not going to sell that book, two or three thousand copies, maybe, maybe you get to eight, ten, that'll be okay. It was took off and kept getting better and better. Now we've sold uh, more than two and a half million. It's been translated into forty languages. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's huge. I've also, uh, since the book came out, I've had more invitations than I can possibly accept to come and speak. And I've, I've given at least 700, I don't know, once we're getting close to 800 lectures in, in this country and abroad, a lot of places abroad. The idea seems to have taken off. And I, I know that when I wrote the book, I was pretty confident of what I was saying, of course, but not 100%. You can't do that in science. And so I kind of watched to see what was happening. And what has happened is that as I've gone through these uh, public lectures and been more and more involved, especially with medical schools, I lecture lots of medical schools, I started getting, started to come to realize that, you know, the doctors in this country are, are precious citizens who sort of look after our health. They really were not familiar with this idea. Then I come to realize there's something wrong with our system. Something at odds, because most doctors weren't familiar with nutrition. And, well, it turns out there, there's no medical school in the country that teaches nutrition. Not like I know it, not even at all. And, uh, and then as time passed, it became a bigger and bigger story because the whole uh, medical system and the medical research system, of which I was a part, all of my research, and it was, it was funded rather handsomely, but all of that research came from the NIH. It was all public taxpayer money. None of it came from the corporate sector. And so, as, as I say, as time passed, the story kept getting bigger and bigger. And now today is really big. And I've come to realize that um, nutrition is, is, uh, is, a, is a word. You know, I know that. But in reality, uh, you know, the professionals and the public, of course, not being told by the professionals, uh, the whole concept of nutrition is terribly confusing for a lot of people. You know, all kinds of claims and counterclaims and so forth and so on. And they surely, I mean, the majority of people surely don't particularly like to have their own diet analyzed or they're being, you know, being suggested they're not eating the right thing. Uh, but um, so, so it's become a big issue. Nutrition is, in my view, the most important biomedical science of all, but it's not even listed in the medical profession. There's about 130 sort of medical specialties, we call them, you know, naming everything from one thing to another. People can, you know, write the ticket out, what they diagnose somebody for and that sort of thing. Of the 130, there's not one called nutrition. And so doctors, you know, that's concerned reimbursement too, because 
they're not able to get reimbursed, you know, to make a living, hardly, talking about something that makes people well. And so what we've really relied on is pills and procedures. Very expensive. Absolutely. It's just, and healthcare costs, as you know, is going through the roof, and we're way higher than any other country. And all the while, the general idea is, is that we get well by making sure we have access to drugs. You know, cheap drugs, maybe. It's a big sort of discussion in the political arena these days. Get cheap drugs and you'll get better. That's nonsense. That's that's total garbage. Um, because we don't need to, we should not be rely, relying on pills and procedures as a, as a means of being well. Especially when, you know, now we know, and I've jumped up through a whole lot of hoops here, <laughs> leaving stuff out, but we now know that what we choose to eat has an amazing effect. Far more than I was aware in the beginning of my career far more than almost anybody else seems to be aware these days. Uh, We can use the kind of nutrition I'm talking about not only to prevent future disease problems like heart disease and cancer and diabetes and that sort of thing, but it actually can be used to treat people with existing disease now. Even people already diagnosed and taking a ton of pills and getting the side effects and this and that and probably not getting much benefit in many cases. They were simply to change their diet. Absolutely. Well, well, this is a good sort of lead in too into you know what what I'm seeing, especially in sort of my day job, which is running a beverage company called Hint. But we've really tried to reduce not just sugar in people's diets, but also diet sweeteners. But I, I'm curious your thought on so both adults and children are being diagnosed with type two diabetes today, and obesity rates are you know off the charts. What do you think we're doing wrong as a society? Well, we're focused on, as I say, number one, we really don't understand nutrition. And so people feel free, you know, to take to accept advice of all kinds. And there's all kinds of stuff out there. So we, th- th- that's really one of the big issues. That may not sound too uh, exciting for a lot of people. But if we just certainly were able to define what does that word mean and what kind of foods fit into that category, you know, of good nutrition. So that's, that's uh, point number one. That's really important for the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like getting doctors trained and you know policymakers doing their thing and so forth. But as a general society, I, I think I don't have to answer that question really. I, I think about it a lot. The, the people in the public are subjected basically to all kinds of claims, contradictory claims of one sort or another. And of course, a lot of claims that are made really represent pushback these days. It represents push pushback from the industries that are making so much money on us. I mean, the food and drug industries, for example, the medical industry, they're making a ton of money, you know, on, on supposedly treating people. So the people from those industries don't like what I'm talking about. I can tell you that for sure. And so they throw out a lot of claims. They distort the message here and there to try to poke fun at it or whatever. And so the public is not getting access to the information they can make them make themselves well. So I don't know how to answer that question. I, I saw a lot of the answers in your comments too, but I say I'm actually very much involved in wanted to talk about the Obamacare or the health care program right now, as you know, that's going on. Yeah, I'd love to hear a, a comment on Obamacare and, and just what you're thinking is going to be happening going forward. Let's say there's two sides of the debate, more or less. Right? There's a, there's a group of people in favor of Obamacare and a group of people not in favor. And uh, it's mostly on the political right, political left. 
uh, more or less. Uh, what's really interesting about that debate, or shouting match, maybe I could say, uh, is that neither side, neither side have a clue of what really makes for health. I really mean that honestly. They do not have a clue because they're not about to, to cross the line. I mean, for you know, there's a lot of really well-meaning people involved in this, but they don't understand that we can actually do so much for making people well and thereby reduce health care costs. Talk all about this huge health care cost problem, and it is. It's a huge problem. Go break the bank. But And then talk about how do, how do you... Uh, you know, they're sort of talking about who's going to pay the bill in the future. That's what it comes down to. And arguing that, you know, ad, ad nauseum about that question in one form or another, trying to save here, save there, or whatever. And uh, they're not talking about the one thing that should be talking about. And that is nutrition. And so yeah. I say the government, and I've been very much involved in governmental affairs and political affairs of that sort, I can tell you with a great deal of confidence. The government, knowingly or unknowingly, I think a lot of us knowingly, knowingly or unknowingly, what they're doing is they're proactively denying this kind of information. That's what they're doing because they're protecting the industry. They don't, know, they don't want to cross the path of the drug industry or the path of the food industry in large measure and you know the whole medical system. So it's a huge problem. I've spent quite a lot of time in Washington and you know, operating sort of to some extent in fairly high levels. I've been on expert panels and, you know, and given testimony before congressional committees and that sort of thing. And I, so I, I have some feel for what's going on. And uh, the politicians are elected, as we know, but they're elected with money. And so whoever has the most money, and that's where the Citizens United uh, uh, case comes in from the Supreme Court of some years ago, now you can spend ungodly amounts of money. People with lots of money are going to spend it. And so we, we buy politicians. And the politicians, in turn, you know, they're not going to cross the path of the people who pay for their election. I mean, it's very difficult for them to do that. Um, even the sort of the ones who would be more positive about this idea, they're still hooked to that money chain. And, of course, Absolutely. people work for them. People work for them. That's their jobs. So yeah. they, they fall in line. And so you get things like the government, for example, uh, giving us dietary guidelines, as they have been doing for some years. Every five years, they come out with a new statement. And the dietary guidelines, what they say, and they're very careful. They, they do a little wonder dressing around the side. And they'll hint that they know, oh, we should do this, we should do that. And the next round, they pull it back. They don't ever get to the real question. They just don't. Because the dietary guidelines is actually controlled in large measure by the Secretary of Agriculture. Correct. And yeah. USDA is basically, as she says, the livestock-based, animal foods industry-based enterprise. That's where the money is. Yeah. And so they're not going to, if it, if it gets to the Secretary's desk, if a committee comes up and they do every committee on this and try to get the science you know, up to date, the committee members themselves, in my experience, or timid, because they know that they go a little bit too far, and most of them really don't quite go where I go, uh, in some cases because they know that it might give them some, some trouble. And so, so it just languishes. It just, our, our problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're not solving the problem. And what I'm saying 
as far as the healthcare debate is concerned, is let's agree that there's a piece missing. It just so happens that happens to be the most important piece of all. It's called nutrition. We've got to be more proactive and describing what does that word mean? Why do we say what we say? What's the evidence? And that sort of thing. And get the government out of the business of organizing programs as if they were doing some good. Like, you know, the subsidy programs we have for subsidizing uh, the production of food we all be eating so that then get, people get sick and then we can buy drugs that they ought not to be taken. I mean, so I, I don't get too too excited about the government program in that, in that context. I, they, they do some good things, of course. I, I'm not totally you know, opposed to that. But unfortunately, government programs tend to be eventually co-opted by commercial interests. And so I, I, I think what public officials should do if they're, if they're going to be responsible is just to make sure that there's certain things that we can do, and it doesn't cost much money, to basically inform the public about what is the truth. The government doesn't need to take sides. I'm not saying that. In fact, they shouldn't be taking sides, obviously. But they're using their money, and they should be setting up forums and that sort of thing to inform the public. They should, for example, ensure, before any federal money is made available, they should ensure that medical schools are offering some information in the area. Really big. Yeah, and I think also to your point, incenting doctors to actually explain nutrition to their patients. Because I think right now, I have a few doctors in my family and, and speaking to them about, you know, the healthcare system and, and also how insurance works, there's just no time. And there's no That's incentive right. for them to actually sit down with a patient and actually yep. understand what they're eating and drinking. And so I think that that's, that's also a piece of it, too. You also talked about the uh, agriculture side of, of this big business. And, you know, what I learned in, in the last few years since running our beverage company, Hint, that the uh, Dairy Association actually controls what actually goes into our school system as it relates to drinks. And so they actually, you may or may not know this, but they actually wrote the Dairy Association wrote the language behind what schools are allowed to put in schools. So the one thing that they put into the rules was that you couldn't have carbonated products in K-8 schools. And so the reason why they didn't want carbonated products is that they wanted to obviously get more milk into schools. But the language around chocolate milk, for example, in schools was actually not written into those rules. Instead, it was about carbonation. So in our case, we have a carbonated product that doesn't have any sweeteners in it. And we can't go into most K through eight public schools because the Dairy Association wrote this language, which just makes no sense whatsoever. So it's it's amazing how many, you know, rules are written by people who have sort of other incentives and even, you know, just going back to this Obamacare vote today, you know, I don't understand how eight people last night were on the fence about how they were going to vote this morning and somehow were pushed to, you know, make a decision how they were going to vote and, you know, are they getting pressure from their constituents who are you know, big lobbyists of some sort or big business and pharmaceutical companies or 
what's whatever it is and uh it's uh it's really really frightening when instead we should be thinking about the consumer and how to actually make them healthy again right i know there's a situation about the ties between the dairy industry and the school lunch program the school lunch program actually comes out of the usda too um and the group does the dietary guidelines and so yes there are I say it's not exactly the Dairy Association that makes these determinations. It's, it's the committee and the USDA itself that does those data guidelines. But they, in turn, are very much affected uh, by the members of the committees that make these determinations. And what I mean by that, the members of the committees uh, too often have a sort of a uh, personal conflict of interest you know, with the dairy industry. It's just been part of our scenery for decades. And uh, so, yeah, they have a very heavy hand uh, in, in, in this. It's not just them, it's others. They're protecting a huge multi-billion dollar, you know, enterprise. And uh, the way it works is that school can, any school can offer the schoolers program, but the mandate essentially says they have to offer the dairy option. Um, and so the schools don't have to force them to do it the local level, that in many cases is really what's happening. At the local level, you know, school administrators and others think that the dairy is really uh, food from heaven and children should need it and et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of pressure that occurs, you know, in the in the lunchroom, you know, about that sort of thing. And uh, that's just the way it is. That's interesting. So obviously, we're talking a lot about information that gets to the public, but what do you think is the most crippling misinformation out there when it comes to nutrition? Uh, the low-carb diet, number one. Uh, and number two, not necessarily in this order of priority, but that's one thing. The other thing is that the individual nutrients can have an effect. They don't. I'm talking about the nutrient supplement industry. We're now paying over $30 billion a year for that. I've been deeply involved in that from this very beginning, almost. Um, and I was the one that was the principal witness in the Federal Trade Commission hearings back in the 1980s when some of those claims were first being made, so I know that firsthand. And uh, the evidence doesn't show that they work, really, certainly not in the long term. In fact, a lot of those supplements have been shown to actually have the opposite effect from what's intended, which brings, it, brings me to the sort of scientific point of view, and that is when, when nutrients are in the form of whole food, they're part of the whole food, they work really well. Uh, they do what they're supposed to do. That's part of nature. But when you take them out and put them in a pill, all bets are off. And so we get, we get really, prob- really very serious problems. And in the larger context, when people come to believe or think that nutrition is about taking nutrient supplements, for example, they're missing, they're missing the point. They're missing the boat. It's really whole foods that matters. Awesome. I, t- I totally agree. And I think it's, it's frightening to think that so many of these supplements are not, or the supplement industry as a whole, I should say, is not regulated. So it's, it's very frightening. Well, they, they, say, they, say they're, they say they're over-regulated, but I don't agree. I agree with you. But, yeah. Right here. It's, very, yeah. it's extremely frightening. So, so what else do you think is, is really, really critical today? I mean, when we talk about just obviously whole food and plant-based diets. I mean, what do you think people should be focused on or, or just saying it another way? I, I feel like we're living in a society where people want quick fix and quick changes. And, 
you know, whatever, whether it's diet or exercise or, or anything else. I mean, what do you think we can do in just a couple of extra steps in order to get people to change, to, to sort of, you know, put the work in and actually do the research to actually get healthy versus actually relying on, like you're saying, doctors to, to medicate or all of these, you know, things that we're doing as a society that are obviously not going right, given so many of the diseases that we have today? Well, in my, my trade is the role of that information education. That was my career, essentially, either creating the right kind of information or, in fact, lecturing and, and talking and that sort of thing. So it really is about uh, information and getting information to the right people. And I, as I said before, the government, with little expense, can actually organize, you know, public forums for people to come and participate in them and ask questions. And that should be done on a broad scale across the country. I debate people with opposing points of view because this information sells itself. And incidentally, I can bring something to my next point, and that is people want a quick fix. That's, yeah, that's very clear. They do. They're looking for magic pills, essentially. They want a quick fix. And some of them, they look at food. That's not, that can't be it kind of thing. Well, now what we know about nutrition, when we do it the right way, and this, my oldest son this, has done this, and the, he, he directed the film called Plant Pure Nation. Yep. And he's sort of doing that. He set up a wonderful program of wellness groups around the country and, and that sort of thing. My youngest son is a physician. Now he's a director of the first nutrition and medicine program at a major medical school, which is very slightly. And they're both and others. I've got colleagues doing the same thing. If you take a group of people, you know, it's just neighbors, friends, whatever. Put them on this kind of food. It's got to be done right. But put them on this for just a day's time, two weeks' time maximum. They'll see major changes, almost everyone. Cholesterols drop, your triglycerides fall, blood pressure problems, if they're there, they begin to resolve themselves. Body weight is another one. They lose a lot of body weight. And so uh, I think demonstration, that's what, when I say information, one way to to educate is let let people try this. Just see what happens. No more questions asked. They can decide for themselves. And uh, because the information will sell itself. And so you're getting people informed in that way, getting people informed in other ways, you know, through media or through, uh, you know, something that's uh, responsible or, you know, offered a responsible way, getting doctors educated. I have to say, incidentally, I'm, I'm in one area of our society and the change that I'm beginning to see is in the medical profession. Um, I, I, I still the medical profession as being the profession to take us into the future. They're going to be looking after our health. Uh, but, and so I'm very much in, you know, a very pro, in, in, in that sense, a, a very pro-doctor sort of stance, if you will. I mean, after all, they're the ones that are kind of looking after us, but they need to be educated. And I'm finding out a lot of doctors now, especially the lectures I give, uh, they're they're really kind of sitting on the edge of the seat and and, and listening. Um, I and so I, I have a great deal of respect for our medical profession. That, you know, as individuals, I don't have much respect for this for the institution of which they are a part. So I want to you know separate the individual from the institution. I think that makes a lot of sense. But they, when they learn, and I mean, what this can do. I mean, I, I spoke in, um, this happened several times, but probably one of the most notable was a couple of three years ago or so. I, I get a standing ovation. And I was speaking to a group of 800 
I got a standing ovation when I was introduced, let alone when I was when I had finished. So I, I find that doctors, good people, went away to medical school because they really wanted to help. They wanted to be in a trade that they thought they were doing something really worthwhile. That is their motivation, majority of my things. And they just weren't told the right things. Now that somebody, some nut comes along, talk, talks like I do, they say, what are you talking about? You know, and then they start testing. They try to find out. They're learning. Physicians are learning You know what this can do, and they were never taught it. The biggest problem is that physicians are not being reimbursed. That's like you said before. Exactly. The whole system is such they don't have time enough to even spend with it. The, uh, the patient, if they were reimbursed for this kind of information, things would change. If they could get reimbursed for this kind of information, things would change. And so, uh, because that's the biggest problem, they have short visits because they've got a certain number of patients each day, if you will, in a typical doctor's office. They've got to run through a certain number of patients in order to get a halfway decent salary. Otherwise, it's a tough, tough road to travel. And so they need to get reimbursed, and that, in turn, requires the government taking a look at that in a really good, hard way. For example, establishing a medical specialty in the area of nutrition where they can get reimbursement for this kind of advice and get paid adequately for what they deserve. But that won't happen. I, 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 sh I shouldn't say it won't happen, but I like to be an optimist. But I have to tell you, those who control the medical profession like the pharmaceutical companies and so forth, they don't want this to happen. You know, people come to the office and they want a pill. It's that simple. And if you don't have a pill for them, I, I hear that from my doctor friends, like my son even, whatever, they, they come into the office, they want to get fixed, they want a pill right then and there. And they're pretty demanding, to my understanding. And uh, so the visits are short, let's get on with it. You know, give me the answer and we'll go from there. It's not the way it works. And talking about how fast this this happens, I, as I said, ten to twenty days. Th you know, they want some, uh, they want a quick fix. This is a quick fix. I mean, if ten days is too long of a period of time, well, maybe there's not too much hope. But we can we can actually see in in a matter of fairly short order, see changes begin to occur really quickly when they do this. Aches and pains of all kinds, uh, other issues that are rising because of their use of. Drugs, maybe side effects, whatever. So they get into this, they start doing this, they start going off their drugs. Just check that out with some diabetics to see what they say. Or check it out with heart disease patients. I absolutely agree. I think, you know, the challenge is, is actually blowing the whole system up and getting people to really think about what they're actually doing. I think people are scared, right? And they're not hearing from their doctors, okay, let's try and wean you off of these drugs and let's look at some healthier alternatives. And, and it really just goes back to, you know, getting these doctors to really advocate for, for whole foods and, and trying to see some changes there first. So That's right. this is really, really super, super interesting and, and something that is close to my personal beliefs as well and, and what we've been trying to advocate in our own uh, product too, that it's, it's really about, you know, getting people to, to recognize what's inside, in the case of our product, what's inside the bottle instead of focusing on all of these, you know, health benefits that what's really interesting to me when I think about you know, a lot of these food and beverage companies, and I talk to consumers, I look at 
words like diet and vitamin and antioxidants and and electrolytes and and lots of you know words that I think have really tricked consumers into believing that they're healthier than they are and and at the end of the day those same people you know are shopping at places like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and trying to do the right thing to make themselves and their families healthier but at the end of the day they're just being fooled by lots of words that that really for whatever reason the brain actually equates to health um, so I think if we can start to get this consumer, uh, all consumers focused on on what is really healthy and what is not, and starting with Whole Foods is such a great uh, segue uh, into, you know, trying to get as healthy as possible. But, well, this has been really, really great, Dr. Campbell. I so much appreciate you taking the time, and, and uh, we'd love to stay in touch with you and potentially get you back on here as, as uh, we start to look at what happens with Obamacare. And if you'd be open to that, we'd be really, really excited to talk to you more. You know, I'm I'm trying to stay close to it. Uh, You know, put my toe in the water on that in a pretty big way if I can. Um, And uh, can I mention just a couple of things that this sounds commercial. And if I shouldn't say it, well, then you can cut it out. (laughs) But, um, you know, our, our, uh, we have a nonprofit organization called uh, Nutrition Studies. It's actually in my name, T. Colin Campbell, Nutrition Studies. But the, the URL is nutritionstudies.org. And what we have is an online program on plant-based nutrition. It's a, we, and our partners, Cornell University's uh, online program. And, you know, I don't, get, I don't get a cent out of that. I get no pay. So that's why I want to put that in there so it's not misunderstood. It's not a money-making proposition for me, for sure. Uh, but uh, we have that program. People can go and take the course. Doctors can get 30 credits of continuing medical education credits. And so we have a lot of those kind of people taking a course, too. And so that's, that's one thing. And we're very excited about that. We just now, as of next week, I think it's going to be, yes. Uh, it's all been translated. Our entire website and the whole course have been translated into Spanish for the Spanish-speaking world. And uh, I know the Chinese just this morning, I got a phone call from my friend in China. They wanted to do the same thing. And I think, you know, getting information out there, and as I say, we're, we're doing what we're doing. And uh, we've had about 9,000 graduates that get a certificate for taking a course. And another son, again, here on books with my family, so I apologize. For no, we love it. This is great. Well, in any case, the, the oldest son, who was the director of the new film called Plant Pure Nation, you can get it on Netflix. Take a look at that. Take a look at the other film, too, that preceded it. Forks Over Knives, which started with the China study. Those films, Forks Over Knives, Plant Pure Nation. When the case of Plant Pure Nation, that's the more recent one, that, that was a film concerned with why haven't we heard this before kind of thing. And it started with my presentation, along with my colleague, Dr. Caldwell Elsethen, our presentations on the floor of the Kentucky legislature. That was all filmed. And, and then the story goes on from there. So people can watch those two films, for one thing. Uh, but in that effort, the plant predation thing, my son has about 450 uh, wellness groups around this country and about 11 other countries now, uh, where they're all networked, you know, internet, and they're all doing something to, you know, promote this idea. I'm excited about that. And then he has a line of food, frozen food, and uh, that uh, Amazon has just bought into, and Amazon has just launched his line. So we're getting some pretty big players involved in this. 
That's great. What's the name of the food? You have to go to the website, plantpurenation.com. Okay. Go, go there and you'll see in there how it's all connected. I can't even give the details because I don't necessarily know them. But to go there, they'll see what's going on. Amazon, as they say, has uh, gotten excited about this, I guess, and they're partnered with us with, with my son. And uh, those kind of things are happening. Where people, with that kind of food, it's, it's meant to be affordable, efficacious. In other words, it works. Affordable, efficacious, and tasty. Three big things. That's terrific. If it fails in any of those three, it's not going to go. And again, I don't get any. I don't get a, a dime out of that. I have no investment in it, so I do have to add that qualifier to get away with what I'm say what I'm saying. I guess. No, this is terrific. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks again, and have a great rest of the week. Well, thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed it. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can learn more about Dr. Campbell and all of his nutrition studies at nutritionstudies.org. so much for listening to Unstoppable. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at karagolden.com. Until next time, be unstoppable. Addictive nature of modern food. Nutrition is important. Obesity and diabetes epidemic. <laughs>